from the Carrier HVAC studio. This is KCNS FM Colville, KCNS AM Salt Lake City, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Leiser and Jake Hatch. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on into the Saturday show. It's Saturday afternoon. I'm Jay Catch, and Adrian Leiser's off this week. He is getting some much-needed R&R up on the Oregon coast. So I made a phone call to a dear friend of mine to come in and co-host the show with me, and he responded in the affirmative, so he's sitting across from me, Sean Walker from KSL.com. Sean, how are you, my friend? Jake, thanks for having me on here, and shout-out to Adrian, who... You say he's doing, getting some R&R on the Oregon coast. I say he's probably just recruiting for Skyline High Girls Volleyball. Actually, he's no longer with Skyline, so he's not recruiting for them no more. Well, then he can recruit for them uh, legally. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. UHSA <laughs> can't touch him now. That's a good point. <laughs> no, this is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. We are brought to you by Stockton 12 Honda. Check them out down at the Utah Auto Mall down there in Sandy. Great sponsors of the show. Great title sponsors. They have great deals going on. The two for twelve two Hondas for twelve dollars a day deal is still going at Stockton Twelve Hondas. Just phenomenal, phenomenal deals. Go check them out. One eight six zero South State Street down there in Sandy. They're our title sponsor on today's show. So Sean Walker sitting in from one to four o'clock today. Kind of a rundown how we're going to go about things today. We're going to be joined here shortly. Actually, we're having an interview to kick off the show today. With Mark Madsen from UVU, of course, the former the Mad Dog, the Mad Dog himself, the former Laker uh, world champion, now the head coach of UVU men's basketball is going to join us. We'll also be joined by Tyler Hawes, former BYU basketball star. He'll join us to talk about the upcoming the basketball tournament going on at the Maverick Center next weekend. Correct, Sean? That is next weekend, yeah. And then we'll also get an open championship update from our good friend Bob Casper. You heard him this morning on Real Golf Radio. He'll give us a live update on what's going on at the British Open over in Northern Ireland. So lots of guests today. We'll have plenty of talk as well. The Jazz completed their roster signings today with three more additions. All expected. Been waiting on them to finally just ink uh, those that paperwork and get that knocked down. So a lot to get to. Sean? How's your week been? What's new? Anything people need to know about you as we kick this show off? Uh, Well, I think most people probably know from our myriad of uh, podcasts that you and I do right here on the Zone Sports Network. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you haven't downloaded Salt City FC, RIP to the Wild Stallions, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you should probably go do that right now. You can probably learn all you really need to know about me because, Jake, I'll be totally honest. I'm a sports writer by trade, okay. but I like to dabble in kind of some of the obscure, odd, a little bit off-the-wall sports. So yeah, right. I pay attention to the jazz. I pay attention to some college football, Utah, BYU, that kind of thing. But, okay. but uh, you, told me, you, you brought me on here because you said we could finally talk about a little bit of soccer on this bless, these blessed airwaves. Yeah, we will. Um, so that's basically why I'm here. I'm Adrian, gonna... when I took over the show, graciously allowed me to talk for five minutes about five soccer. Five minutes of soccer. We may expend that out. Maybe We're going like, to milk that. We may milk that and do a longer segment of soccer today because you and I both are soccer aficionados. Salt City FC comes Actually, to the Saturday show. Eric, who's behind the glass today, he's a big soccer I aficionado as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll Exciting we'll, times for RSL. Big game tonight. We're going to do, do like 15 minutes of soccer today. Screw it. I'm, it's a Yacht Talk takeover on the Saturday show, so we're doing Let's what we do want. Let's do it. I, I literally met Eric about five minutes ago. Uh-huh. I get the vibe that he's a Man City fan, though. Uh, no, I actually don't follow the Premier League super closely, but okay. my team there is Wolverhampton, actually. Oh, you're a Wolves guy. Okay, yeah. well, there we go. I was Wonders. way off. Wow, that's, yeah. that's but, way off. But I, I still choose I choose the front runners in Germany. I'm a big Bayern Munich fan. Oh, well, there we go. Okay, there Sweet. we go. Awesome. All right, so a lot to get to on today's show. Let's kick things off here, Sean, and talk about the Utah Jazz for a minute here. Uh, news coming out this morning, they've completed the signings of Jeff Green, uh, Emmanuel Moutier, and also Ed Davis. And that should complete the roster as we expected to be constructed going into fall camp, not fall camp, training camp for them come October. What have your impressions of the Jazz been during this offseason? I haven't had a chance to really talk to you actually even off the air about, about this a lot, but what have you been your thoughts on how the Jazz went about constructing this roster? 
Well, yeah, I I think signings like this are actually where the Jazz maybe hit the most on this offseason because so much so much of this year, this summer, from the perspective of uh, of Dennis Lindsay and his group, Justin Zanuck and so forth, mm-hmm. it's going to be put on the high-profile signings, um, you know, guys like Mike Conley or Bogdanovich, et cetera, trying yeah. to add kind of more stars to the tandem that is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, those are great players. Those are awesome players. But by bringing in you know, just one or two more stars to pair with a guy like Donovan, I think you're seeing that start to attract better free agents, free agents that just want to win, guys that are are veterans and don't necessarily care about living in the splashy cities like Los Angeles or New York or yeah. or Brooklyn or, or that kind of thing, but guys who just, just want to play good basketball and they want to win. Um, and so w- when you see somebody like, like an Ed Davis or like a Jeff Green, who have been in the league for nigh unto a decade apiece. I, I think mm-hmm. Davis has been in for about 10 years, 9 or 10 years. He was the same um, draft, if I'm not mistaken, as Gordon Hayward. So we're looking at a decade, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So he's come, yeah, so 9 years coming up on 10 right yeah. there. I, 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 when you see guys like that, that that not only come to Utah, but want to come in Utah. I mean, these are guys who aren't coming in on super high price salaries, aren't being heavily recruited. They're actually coming at the Jazz and saying, hey, I want to play for Quinn Snyder. I want to play for Donovan Mitchell. I want to play with Mike Conley. I want to play with the the two-time defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually where maybe the biggest success of the summer is for the Utah Jazz. Okay. I, and I would agree with you in that regard. It's kind of funny to me. So I have a younger brother, and I think you've met this brother of mine, Sean. He is not a sports fan, and I know it's really weird to think that he has a brother who works in sports radio, and he's not a huge sports fan. His you wa- haven't disowned him yet? His wife, on the other hand, though, massive sports fan, and she's actually kind of gotten him to pay a little more attention to sports. And he asked me, this is uh, right around the time that Ed Davis and Jeff Green were um, have were on Twitter, like uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams, were all kind of breaking the Jazz. We're going to sign these guys. His question to me, Sean, was, are the Utah Jazz getting guys that are looking for a ring? And it it so stunned me that he even understood what that whole scenario is, Sean, in terms of ring chasing in the NBA, that it took me a minute to really put it together what he was actually asking. But in a way, I think mm-hmm. it shows that, the, that these free agents are out there looking at the Jazz saying, you know what? I can go win games at a high clip with this team and really maybe help them do something special this coming season, at least, or maybe a couple of years. Ed Davis signed for two years. Jeff Green. It's a big opportunity here for these guys to make an impression. Yeah, it's it's so much more. I mean, the NBA and and, and big time NBA players now anymore. They're focused on so much more than just the the hashtag nightlife mm-hmm. to to quote uh, our former overlords, Golden State Warriors. But now. <laughs> Hell, Canada. Yeah. Um. You know, it's about so much more than just you know playing in the big in the big media markets, raising your hashtag personal brand, which I hate using that that term, but but it's a thing in the NBA. It's it's about so much more than that. You know, guys now they want to win, and I I think you're seeing this upcoming NBA season as one where a lot of guys are are ca- latching on to a lot of different teams, thinking they have a chance to win. There's there's yeah. so much parity. That's going. That, that's going to be in the 2019-2020 NBA season. Um, that it should make it. It should make it a lot of fun. You know, you're not getting the the. Maybe this is too soon, and knock on wood right here for this. But I think the age of the super team is over. Um, we can all hope. I think everybody's trying to create kind of a mini super team, and that should be, if nothing else, you know, only one team can win at the end of the season. But to get to that championship, that should create a lot of intrigue. Um, and just a lot of fun for fans of several teams. Okay, so season. there's been some angst this week. Uh, ESPN had the Utah Jazz ninth in their power rankings, uh, sixth in the West. I think that's a little bit low in my mind in terms of where the Jazz slot and just how I see how the NBA is shaking out, especially in the Western Conference. I think Jake, the- Jake, you know the only thing important is that Westgate Las Vegas gives the Jazz the fifth best odds in the West to win the NBA title. I did see that as well, though, and that that was kind of impressive. That's all that matters. Westgate is... They, they're a reputable outlet in terms of that. Nothing but, matters more than the sports books. But there's been some angst this week thinking that the Utah Jazz with the moves that, let's say, like the Houston Rockets made in acquiring Russell Westbrook, uh, the Clippers with their splash of getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the Lakers, of course, with LeBron and Anthony Davis now. Where do you slot the Jazz? Where do you see them in the West right as, as it currently stands? Yeah, I mean, that that's... 
that's the thing. It's like, yeah, the Jazz got a lot better this offseason. So did almost every other team in the Western Conference, maybe shy of Phoenix, which shout out to our good friend Ricky Rubio for uh, getting paid with the Suns. Get your money, Ricky. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go get your money. <laughs> uh, but But I think you saw so many other clubs, virtually every other club in the Western Conference get better. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because you're seeing the Jazz now, they're they're willing to make a big splash. They're, they're willing to, to put down some coin, to, to throw in some cash, mm-hmm. to keep getting better with this rising tide in the West. What, what's the old say, saying? A rising tide lifts all boats, mm-hmm. right? Well, if, if the tide really is rising in the West with Kawhi coming back to Los Angeles, the other Los Angeles team, yeah. um, with you know a little mini reunion in Houston potentially, yeah. Uh, um, you know, obviously LeBron and the Lakers. You've got Portland and Dame doing what Portland and Dame are gonna do. You, you know, you the Warriors aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So if the tide really is coming up, you've got one of two options. You can either try to come up with the rest of the conference, or you can just say, well, maybe it's not our time yet. Let's kind of bide our time. Um, I'm not necessarily like saying like tank to try to get the next yeah. Zion Williamson, but but you can kind of just wait around. And that was maybe the philosophy of the Jazz a couple of years ago. They were in rebuild mode. They were trying to just figure out what their next move was, what the next generation coming up was, um, and and all that. But now you're seeing them being a little yeah. bit more proactive to try to stay competitive with the top of their conference. Well, and the funny thing was, I think there were people wondering if teams would would sit back, but everybody's gone chasing this now, Sean, and it's going to make for an interesting upcoming season, especially in the Western Conference. You mentioned Kawhi coming back West really does affect things, and it'll be interesting to uh, see how that goes. But we're going to get to an interview right now. We're going to welcome in UVU head coach Mark Madsen, a guy intimately familiar with NBA basketball, but now the head coach of the UVU Wolverines. Coach Madsen, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Appreciate taking some time to join us on a Saturday afternoon. I guess my initial question for you here is, how has adapting to the college game gone, stepping away from the NBA in which you were in so long? Well, I think one of the big things in college basketball is obviously the recruiting piece. Um, Right when I took over, we had a few people transfer, so we needed to go out there and, and sign new players. The transfer portal now in college is almost like free agency in the NBA because what you have is you have players <clears throat> that may have signed at a Power 5 school, that may have signed at a smaller school, and then they get there and they realize that this isn't quite what I had thought it was going to be, and they're looking for a change. And that's historically, in the last three or four years, UVU has done a great job in, in bringing in transfer players. Uh, and, and so that's something that we've looked at. We also really want to re- recruit hard the, the state of Utah. And so the, those are kind of the two pieces we're focusing on, knowing that, that really Coach Pope and his staff did a phenomenal job, of, of especially in the transfer portal. And I think that they were really starting to, to dig their teeth into, into the Utah recruits as well. How how important are those transfers? Not just for you, Coach Madsen, but at UVU in general, because we saw so many. We we've we've seen you kind of hit the transfer market hard, obviously, um, to replace some of those guys that were lost. But we saw your predecessor, Coach Pope, do that at UVU, and we even saw Coach Hunsaker do that a little bit during his time at Utah Valley. Is there something about Utah Valley that kind of makes it? Um, I don't want to say easier necessarily, but but maybe makes it a little bit transfer friendly to say, yeah, we can take in these guys who you know need a second chance or, or who are who are just looking to prove themselves um, in in a place like the Western Athletic Conference. Is there something about the school there that makes it maybe a little bit more helpful to kind of help you get some of these big time guys on the bounce back, if you will? Well, it's a good question. It's a good question. I think that really UVU is a place that that opens its arms to people of all backgrounds all across the country. And I think that's appealing to a lot of players. The other thing that, that I'm seeing, I, I have friends and, and different past guys I've coached with that, that are at power five schools. And really most, a lot of times the transfers want to go down from the PAC 12. They want to go down from the big 10 to a little bit lesser of a conference. Maybe, maybe they're not getting the minutes that they want at, at, a, at a power five school, but coming down to a mid-major like a UVU, you know, like some of the other mid-majors out there, I think it can make a, a whole lot of sense. Sure. When 
UVU approached you, or you approached UVU, I don't know how it went about getting this job here. What did you know about the school? I know you're a guy that's intimately familiar with the state of Utah in general, but what did you know about UVU to begin with? Well, I knew a little bit because I had actually met with Coach Hunsaker in 2009 about possibly joining his staff at Utah Valley. I, you know, <clears throat> Dick and I kind of struck up a friendship. There was a young man in Minnesota that I was trying to, that I thought could really help Utah Valley. And so I, I kind of tried to help in that recruitment process as well. Um, but, but I was familiar with the campus. I was familiar with the student body, with the environment at UVU, which again is a very dynamic environment, the fastest growing school in the state of Utah, the largest school by enrollment here in state. And so those are exciting things. Those are really exciting things. And when the opportunity came up, Jared Sumption <clears throat> reached out to me and, and asked me if, if, if I would have interest in interviewing for the job. And so really, you know, I said, let, let me get back to you in one hour because I'd been in the NBA for six years, obviously with the Lakers. Uh, I, I, was, I was building a, a career in the NBA, but my wife and I talked, and we just thought, what a great opportunity to come to Utah Valley to help these young men try to achieve their goals and aspirations on the court and off the court. So, so for me, it was really it's kind of a no-brainer. Coach, you mentioned uh... – you you mentioned how much fun it's been to kind of adapt to a new system that is college basketball and the transfer portal and recruiting and and getting to know your colleagues in the Western Athletic Conference and that kind of thing. Um, maybe and maybe that at that adapting is a little bit different just because of the past six years with the Lakers and and being in the NBA for so long. So now I got to ask you: you compare the transfer portal to free agency, and we're going through a pretty crazy free agency time right now in the <laughs> NBA. Uh, what what is a season like this like as somebody who who was in the NBA for for nigh into a decade like you who coached in the NBA what's what's a summer like this like um, for players when you're kind of seeing so much movement from so many teams and and so many you know so many other teams kind of getting better and and trying to to sort of position yourself for, to find the best fit can you kind of take us into like the average NBA player and what what they're kind of feeling during a time like this well I, I think. Going back to my experience as a free agent in the NBA and, and thinking about my teammates' experience, just, just talking to them when I was a player, it's a combination of a few things. I think ultimately it comes down to best fit. Most players want to go a place where they feel as if they're going to be a contributor to the team because players want to showcase their talent. They want to have the opportunity to shine on a stage and, and grow and grow individually. Um, kind of like obviously the, the Exactly. Similar to college players. Similar to college players. Uh, you know, in the NBA, the financial piece plays a role. But, you know, I was joking with Eric Daniels, actually, and, and the only difference between free agency and the transfer portal is in the NBA, you can sign somebody for three years, and, and that team will own their rights for three years. In college, you sign somebody, it's kind of a year-to-year deal. <laughs> yeah, so in, in some true. ways, in, in some ways, it's more, there's almost more free agency in college, which again, I support because the game is always about the players. Coach, you spend that time with the Lakers. A lot of people around here wonder what LeBron James is like. And I, you spent a year coaching him this past year with the Lakers. Can you give us some insight into how LeBron goes about his business? <laughs> well, Le- LeBron is a tremendous player and he's even a, an even better person. You know, sometimes whether I'm, you know, in the NBA, sometimes you get a so-called superstar and people say hello. And, you know, some guys may not react to a hello. (laughs) You know, LeBron is somebody who it doesn't matter who comes up to him. He's going to engage with them and say hello and connect. And and then, you know, depending on who it is, he's going to give them the time of day. Um, So interpersonally, He's very personable. And in terms of work ethic, he was consistently one of the first ones there at the facility every morning. Uh, he would go into the weight room. He, he would. You know, it's funny that the coaching staff and the players did, did a little spoof on LeBron. We made a little video. Okay. And so Isaac Bonga, I, Isaac Bonga, we filmed Isaac Bonga. And, and he was a rookie. And he was on his back, you know, looking at his phone, getting stretched by his trainer. That was kind of LeBron's first thing. He, he would come in early. 
get stretched by his trainer, do all the stretching, and probably get caught up on some family text messages, you know, some personal emails. He was doing that for 10 or 15 minutes, and then it was time to work. After we stretched out, he went to the weight, the weight rack. He's doing squats. He's doing twisting movements. He's doing, you know, overhead press. And then after about 35, 40 minutes in there, he's onto the court, uh, working on his game, pulling young guys with him. So he was really awesome for, for the culture. He uh, he sounds like kind of the ideal teammate in a lot of ways, and and that's maybe not something that that a lot of people think about LeBron just because of kind of the superstar status that he's obviously attained. And we can leave the discussion for greatest of all time or not for another day. I don't want to get into that, but but um, is is he? You you mentioned how good he is just with everybody. Is he that way with his teammates as well? And just being kind of the consummate teammate, the consummate professional that way. He's a great teammate. Now, if you're not doing your job, he's going to call you out. Uh, if, if someone doesn't come into play on a certain night, he's going to get that person out of the game. You know, he, he's, he's not going to stand for mediocrity. But in, in terms of having a teammate that cares about his, the guy next to him, he's that guy. Coach, the NBA landscape's really transformed. Sean mentioned it earlier in an earlier question. We really see, have seen the landscape really change, especially in the Western Conference. I know that you're now at the at the college level, but is your interest level in what's going to play out in the NBA this coming season changed with all these different moves we saw in free agency? Quite honestly, I, I think the Utah Jazz had a really good free agent market. Um, you know, you look at all the guys that they picked up, starting at the point guard position, uh, and the, the Utah Jazz had, had a great summer. Obviously, the Lakers had a really good summer. I, I would have personally liked to have seen Kawhi sign with the Lakers. I think if Kawhi signs with L.A., I, I think L.A. is poised to win another championship. And, and I just, you know, I think the people of L.A. are ready for that. I think the, the supporters and the fans down there have been through a little bit of a drought. Um, but in terms of the movement, it's great. I think it's great for the league. It's great for the players. Probably not great for the owners, but ultimately the owners are needing to be flexible. And I think this may come up in the next collective bargaining agreement, but the players and the owners will work it out. They'll find common ground, and, and, and they'll find a win-win for everybody. Well, they may not have gotten, uh, they may not have gotten Kawhi, your Lakers, uh, coach, but they did get a pretty good kind of duo to pair with LeBron and in uh, AD, and, and they're looking like another one of those contenders in the Western Conference. So this is the part of the show I think where I ask you the hard-hitting journalism questions that uh, that that you can always just no comment out of. I'll I'll be honest, but it, it might look a little bit weird. So if the Lakers win, <laughs> so if the Lakers win another NBA title, are you prepared to get on a plane to Los Angeles for the victory parade and refresh your dance moves in front of a couple million people? <laughs> hey, uh, I'll tell you what. If I get that text message from from management from from the players, you know, I just got to make sure my rhythm is up to speed. I, I, I got to take some rhythm classes. You know, make sure the rhythm's right. I'll be in L.A., though. I'll be in L.A. <laughs> okay, that's what, that's what we like to hear, Coach. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Look forward to, it, to doing it down the road. Best of luck with UVU. We'll be keeping a keen eye on what you're able to do as you kick off this upcoming season, all right? Sounds great. Look forward to it. And good luck to the Lakers. Okay, take care, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Coach. There you go. Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball head coach. and Fantastic stuff there. He's willing to go down and dance again. Of course, the Mad Dog, that gif will forever exist in social media forever. But he was—he had quite the career playing in the NBA, had quite the career uh, post-NBA coaching in the NBA, Sean. And now he steps down to the collegiate level. And I'm, I've got... I'm going to have a very keen eye turned towards what UVU is able to do in the immediate aftermath of Mark Pope moving to BYU and him stepping in as the head coach down there. I'm very interested to see how they do. Yeah, and maybe more importantly, in the pre-YouTube era, Mark Madsen's Victory Dance currently has 1.7 million views on YouTube. Wow. So that shows there's, how, there's that as yeah. well. I, I'm, I, see, you mentioned right before we brought Coach Madsen on, you like to delve into the obscure, like unique things. That is something I would have never looked up. So, props to you, sir. Shout, shout out to Coach Madsen. Shout out to UVU. Uh, 
Thanks for coming on the show with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome awesome. interview. We'll get that up on 1280thezone.com if you missed it. Yeah, That way you guys can listen to the full interview. But great to catch up with him. Uh, We will take a time out here, come back on the other side, dive a little more into the Utah Jazz. We'll get into some college football talk as well. It's the thick and the thin of it where we kind of delve into some of the other topics that have been the headlines this week in sports. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch. Across from me is my good friend Sean Walker from KSL.com sitting in for the vacationing Adrian Lizer. Sean, this is the shout out to Adrian on a beach somewhere in Eastern Oregon. Yeah, Eastern Oregon. What are you talking about? Are there beaches in Eastern Oregon <laughs> no, on the any. Idaho side? <laughs> no, well, I don't think so. so well, well, maybe up against Coeur d'Alene, maybe. I don't know. But is I was, was going to say, yeah, like riding up against. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know geography. You should know geography. You live in the Western United States. Come on now. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Sean's sitting in with us today. Uh, Speaking of Western yeah. United States, have you ever tried to explain to somebody on the East Coast that a six-hour drive really isn't that big of a deal? Oh, yeah. I actually I had a friend that grew up in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and she was literally stunned that I thought driving to Las Vegas, which is about six hours here from yeah, here. Yeah, five and a half, six front, hours, yep. She was stunned that I was like, that's no big deal. She was like, six hours, I'd be like in Maine. Yeah, that's like three states in the upper northeast. Come on now. <laughs> she was stunned. And I, I, it's true. There is a there is a disconnect between the eastern United States, the eastern seaboard, and us out here in the greater western United States. I wasn't going to share this, but uh, while I was in school at uh, Syracuse, Univers- Syracuse University in upstate New York. Go um, Orange. Yeah, shout out to the Newhouse School. <laughs> uh, but uh, while I was in school up there, I uh, so I spent most of my time in central New York, Syracuse, okay. literally right in the middle of upstate New York. Yes, um, but naturally you're in New York, so you got to go down to New York City. So I went there a couple times, spent a few weekends there and whatnot. Okay, and uh, while on one of my trips into NYC, I was only like a month or two into my college career there, and I wanted to get some Syracuse swag because you know I'm going to school, going to football games, going to basketball yeah. games. Like yeah, I got to get some swag. Uh, so I went into a sporting goods store down in New York City. Uh, I think I was in Manhattan, but I'm not positive. Okay, you're exactly one of the, which, which borough. the boroughs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I was somewhere down there in the city. Okay. I went in the sporting goods store, um, and I found one of the attendants, and I said, uh, "I said, yeah, I'm just looking for like some hats, maybe like a hoodie or a sweater or something like that uh, for uh, Syracuse that mm-hmm. maybe I can get here." Mm-hmm. And the guy looks me dead in the eye. Like, no, like, smile or anything on his face, 100% serious, says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we only cover, we only have New York paraphernalia here. <laughs> so, are we talking pro teams is what he essentially meant? Uh, no, like, pro, college, everything. He had, they had, like, Fordham hats in there also, and everything. Okay, yeah. so... New York's New York City's one true school, the yeah, Fordham yeah. Rams. Yeah, New York okay. City's one true college football team. Yes. Okay. But uh, yeah. no no Syracuse. Origin. Yeah, but no Syracuse. And he didn't even think that was part of New yeah. York. Apparently apparently upstate New York is different from New York City, I guess. Well, I, I had no idea, okay. but there you go. There we go. Wow, that's now that is actually pretty funny because he's like, No, we only carry New York stuff and you're like, but Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, whatever. All right. All right. All right. Well let's get into some other news here, Sean. Um what are your thoughts on James Harden? You a fan? He drive you nuts. Where do you stand? On I James mean, Harden? as a proud resident of the state of Utah, I have to have an opinion on James Harden, yes, right? You do. Yes, that's and it asking. has to go in line with more than half of the state that believes he is the uh, what's the term they use? I think the most hated player in the NBA. What mm. I, saw, I saw a graphic from I saw, it was on Bleacher Report, but most they didn't despised, do it. That I, saw. I don't know. I saw I saw a graphic the other day that had. That they polled NBA fans in every state okay. to ask them who their most most hated player was. Um, for a lot of states, it was a lot. A lot of people don't like LeBron. Kawhi was in there for some on the East Coast. Okay. It was right in the middle of the, like the the Raptors finals run and that kind of thing and um, and whatnot. And there was literally one state of the union that voted James Harden. Would be the great state of Utah, and that would be the great Beehive State, formerly known as Deseret. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> well, so I, I think, I think my feelings, my emotions yeah. about James Harden are a little bit tempered compared to a lot of Utah fans. Okay, um, but he's not very easy to fully like. 
just True. based on the way that he plays basketball, based on his style of play. And I get it. Like, it's a style, like, you know, trying to draw fouls, and there's a certain art and a certain panache mm-hmm. uh, to what he does on a basketball court, but it's not very attractive. And I think if you're a Utah Jazz fan, it's particularly less attractive. Okay, so I think most Jazz fans, it drives them nuts. He drives them nuts simply due to his that that step back. Everybody thinks it's a travel. Of course, he got away with that double step back against the Jazz that will be forever ingrained in Utah Jazz minds and hearts. Well, he said at an event where he was talking to young players, a Q&A session at a promotional event intended by local Houston media, he said, quote, Sean, I'm, I'm going to read this to you. Mm-mm. This year I'm going to come up with something more creative and it's going to look like a travel, but it's not. Honestly, even when I was on a tour in Europe or China, or even when I'm here in the U.S., I see kids your guys' age that are working on step backs, working on moves that's going to gain you an advantage to be better better than the rest of your peers, and that's what I'm going for. So until they call it a travel, if they start calling it, I'll continue to find ways and find ways and find ways to get creative and make my game make my impact on the game. Unquote. Okay. I think jazz fans are now going to be like searching out, okay, what's James Harden working on here? Because if he's got something else that he's working on, I'm surprised. Because we've seen like the Euro step really become in vogue in the NBA. But I'm really intrigued as to what James Harden has figured out here, quote unquote, that the rest of the NBA doesn't know about. I mean, there's only one obvious answer here. Which is? James Harden has figured out NBA officiating. Well, okay, we already knew that. Come on, he's got them in the. They've he's got that figured out ad nauseum. He's got that done, down. Shout out to Tim Donahue. He's got it down to a. Love science. you, Timmy. <laughs> yeah, Timmy Donahue. Wow. All right, a couple other things in the NBA news. I, I, so yeah, keep an eye on that. That'll be interesting to see what he debuts this coming fall. And like you said, if the NBA calls it, they call it. But we're talking about James Harden, and we'll see if they have the stones to to call it. One other thing here is former Jazz man Kyle Korver has reportedly agreed to a one-year, $2.6 million deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. He'll be rejoining mm-hmm. Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks next season. I actually think this is a good place for Corver to land if he, as he continues to be, play out his NBA career. There was some talk when he was here with the Jazz at the end of the season that he was considering retirement. It appears that he is on board for at least one more season here. I think it's a good landing spot for him. No, and if you're a Jazz fan, Kyle Korver was very obviously a fan favorite during both of his stints, yep. uh, including this past year with the Jazz. And and I I don't think there's any animosity whatsoever in from Jazz fans in watching this guy move on because of the trade um, that brought in Mike Conley. And I I think it's pretty universal that that you just you want to see him you you want to see him do well. You want to see him go where he's wanted, where he's needed, to a team where where he can help them contend. Um, but also maybe not need to be the guy because he is getting up there in age. I mean, he's been in the league for 16 years, and, and there was some legitimate doubt this offseason, especially for, even from the Jazz front office, mm-hmm. whether or not he wanted to come back for another season. Um, and so seeing him allegedly, reportedly, it might as well be. I mean, it's Woj, so it might as Woj well be gospel. Woj broke the news. Yeah. So yeah. It might as well be gospel. Mark it down. Um, but, uh, yeah, so seeing him sign on a one-year deal – with a strong contender in the Eastern Conference, maybe the contender in the Eastern Conference in the Milwaukee Bus Bucks. It's probably um, them in Philadelphia, probably the two favorites. Sure. Yeah, Boston's lurking there as well, but they're probably a little further I behind. I mean, if, if KD were healthy, I'd maybe say Brooklyn, but yeah, but that that's a year away. Yeah, at, uh, at so yeah, I mean, seeing Kyle Korver go to a contender like the Bucks, I. I just think that's that's all around good news for a lot of Jazz fans because you want to see this guy succeed. You want to see him go where he, where he's wanted and and where he can really have an impact. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Let's talk some uh, let's talk some college football for a minute here as well as we continue with the thick and the thin of it. Jim Harbaugh, a guy who, who? yeah, who yeah no he, he, well, yeah, he knows how to keep his program, the Michigan Wolverines, in the headlines. There's no doubt about it. He kicked off He's the week. He's got college football in the back of his khakis. He does. He he went he he kicked off the week by making a comment about Urban Meyer that apparently got all kinds of Ohio State fans up in arms, but what did you make of his comments about Urban Meyer saying that controversy follows him everywhere he's been? I mean, this is just Jim being Jim, right? I mean, he's not wrong. Let's be real. No, no. I mean, he's he's really he's he's not wrong. And and you know, USC fans are probably going to learn this in a year or two that that controversy really does follow him around. So, uh, so shout out to the Trojans. 
Uh, wow, but, you're already marking it down. Like he's gonna be wearing that cardinal and gold, huh? Coming up later this fall. That's just me trolling. I'm trying to get into this whole sports radio persona thing. You're, you're doing good at right? it. You're yeah. doing it. You're sitting. Yeah. Actually, you're actually sitting in Patrick Kinahan's seat. So well, I got to pull out a little can, more PK. You got to yeah. fill that fill that role. So go ahead. But yeah, I mean, he's he's not wrong. He's speaking his mind, and and Jim Harbaugh's also. I mean, he's the prototypical Michigan man. Play quarterback for the Wolverines, so mm-hmm. he knows what. He knows what to say, what to do, how to adequately poke and prod the beast um, that is the game that is Ohio State, Michigan. Um, I'm fine with it. Okay, I'm okay with it. I here's the thing. It's it's if nothing else, it gives us a little bit more interest during the college football talking season, it, yes. which. If college football wants to be more popular, like, say, the NBA, they probably mm. need a little bit more of that sort of off-season juice or off-season yeah. pizzazz. Talking season. Yeah, because you can only talk about the transfer portal for so long before people's eyes start to glass over and they just don't care anymore. So stuff like this, yeah, throw it out there. Why not? Yeah. Um, I just want to see Urban's response now. I, I, I think I don't know about Urban if he'll even respond because it was, he probably won't. It was so weird because Urban is now officially, well, for the time being, retired. He is a, an associate athletic director at Ohio State. He'll also be working on Fox Sports' uh, new college football game day, whatever they're doing to talk about college football before the games kick off this fall. I found it strange that Harbaugh would make this comment when uh, Urban is now no longer the head coach of his chief rival. Does that make sense? Well, well that's that's the safest time to comment on Urban I get Meyer. it. Because people, because you're talking about, because there's so much talk right now about Urban's legacy okay. and what what does he leave at Ohio State and, and maybe an extension is like how can Ryan Day kind of capitalize on, on what he's left, the cover's not bare, are they national title contenders, all that. But, there, but there's so much talk about kind of the post-Urban era yes. that now... Here comes Jim Harbaugh sliding into America's DMs <laughs> saying, yeah, he's a great coach, but... When you really consider... Okay, I get it. Okay. Um, yeah. so, so just, I mean, leaving that big giant but out there, okay. that's kind of Harbaugh's MO. Yeah, it just it, to me it just was kind of strange on both sides why it all went down. I talked about this. I, I do a college football podcast called The RPO. You can check it out at 1280thezone.com. And we, I talked about this yesterday. I felt like it was a, almost a, just a strange set of circumstances because, of, of course, Harbaugh during his tenure at Michigan has yet to beat Ohio State. Mic drop moment, 7-0. There, so there are a few things to be said for it. We'll see how it how it goes out. But there was one other thing that Harbaugh said that caught your eye, and I think we should talk about it as well. He may be the highest profile administrator, coach, whatever you want to say in college football, to have come out in favor of a new transfer policy, Sean. Yeah, this one, this one. actually, I think he just barely tweeted this today, or was it last night? He talked at Big uh, Ten Media Days about it a little yeah, bit, then he tweeted it again today yeah, about so it. Yeah, so he tweeted it this morning mm-hmm. uh, in response to some saying, let's see, in response to some who say, I'm deflecting and dodging or pushing an agenda. They could not be more wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, here's what Jim Har- Harbaugh tweeted. I'll just quote it. Okay. Um, uh, my belief is that a one-time transfer should be allowed for all student-athletes. I am clearly advocating for rights that college football players have not had. This would put the decision totally in the hands of the student-athlete and family and will protect all from disclosing information and rights afforded under HIPAA and FERPA. Okay. On the surface, I like what he's saying. Let me be clear about that. because it's So there, there are five sports in Division One athletics that don't have a one-time transfer policy where you can transfer and play immediately without having to sit out that year in residence as the NCAA ter- terms it. But, Sean, if they were to do this, don't you see a feeding frenzy each offseason with, let's say, a kid goes to a G5 or an FCS school, absolutely breaks out, and then a Power 5 school says, Hi! We're such and such university. We'd like you to come play in the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, or the Big 12. What do you say? Yeah, the NCAA's response is, is how do you prevent schools from uh, tampering with other schools? Absolutely. How do, you, how do you prevent them from just directly poaching another school, maybe a nearby FCS school's roster, mm-hmm. say, um, every year? And my response to that is simply, well, maybe you don't but that's not really any different than what you've got going on right now. Uh, okay, you bring it above and, board, and, essentially? Yeah, and if you if you talk to a lot of college coaches, especially off the record, they'll probably tell you, like, yeah, there are instances where 
I don't think there's anything super malicious in terms of intent, but but there are programs who do kind of take a look around and, and football staff members who do kind of take a look around and say, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had X on our team? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had Y on our team? Oh, it turns out that Z just barely graduated, but he's got another year of eligibility. Maybe we should try to get in touch with him. Um, again, maybe it's not the most legal thing to do in college athletics, but it's also not totally illegal. So there See, are a lot of loopholes yeah, I'm with, around that that kind of I'm with thing. you in terms of trying to close up some of this uh the back room deals that apparent that seem to go on that we hear about. It, if you can get this so it's just kind of out in the open, I'd be more on board with it. But you're kind of right though. We already kind of have this going on. Harbaugh's just coming out here and saying, "You know what?" It's a one, let them have a one-time deal. If they try to transfer a second time, then they got to sit out that year. Yeah, and and my my simple rebuttal to to guys like Jim Harbaugh and the like, because I'll I'll be totally honest, Jake, you're you're in you're in favor in a lot of ways of this proposed amendment. Yes, I'm kind of not. So you okay? I'll play the bad guy. Okay. I'll play devil's advocate because okay. I'm kind of not in favor of 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 this type of of one-time free transfer, if you will. Um, and my simple rebuttal is that we do already have that. Okay. Every college athlete is given one free transfer without having to sit out during their college career. There's just one stipulation attached to it. They have to graduate. True, yeah. And I think that's the perfect stipulation because if you really want to talk about being an entity, if college football really wants to be an entity, a vehicle for the student athlete, and they put so much emphasis into student first, student before athlete, get a degree, go to college, change your life, all of that. Um, okay. And I think in some cases it's true. Yes. I don't want to totally knock it because I think in a lot of cases it's true. And, and sometimes we forget about that in our media friendly um, celebrating college football. But if you really want to put the student before the athlete, I think stipulations like a transfer policy, a free transfer policy for students who have already graduated, already earned their degree, already fulfilled all of their obligations to the university. I think that's a perfect rule. Um, let me say that perfectly. I think the graduate transfer policy right now is a perfect rule in NCAA athletics, and I don't want to see it messed with. Okay. And I, I just, I feel like if you add this other one-time free transfer during a student athlete's undergraduate career, mm-hmm. well, now you're essentially giving them two free transfers because now they can, now they okay. can transfer once. Yeah. Um, then graduate. Maybe they can even transfer again. You know, if they don't use a redshirt year, for example, they can transfer and then sit out during a redshirt year. Mm-hmm. And then they can also graduate and transfer again. And again, if a kid really wants to move around like that, he should be allowed to move around like that. But there are already so many mechanisms in place that I just don't feel like adding another free transfer is really beneficial to a whole lot of parties involved. And I think okay. it kind of, I think it denigrates a little bit the college experience. I think you've got a point there, and it's something I hadn't necessarily considered. But I'm just—I'm all about the NCAA. Just—I don't know how to say it any other way than NCAA just getting out of the way. I feel like they—they have arbitrarily messed with a bunch of guys. Guys like the story of Luke Ford earlier this offseason, the guy who wanted to transfer to Illinois to be closer to his ailing grandparents, but the NCAA denied it on the basis that. Urbana Champaign, Illinois, was more than a hundred miles away from his grandparents' home. It's like, well, okay, but you're going to let Justin Fields and Tate Martell have immediate eligibility going to Miami and Ohio State, respectively. It just doesn't make sense. So if they can get something straight across, I'm all for it. I do like what you're saying though about the graduate transfer deal because I've said it once and I'll say it again that any guy who goes to a college program, the only thing I feel like they that they owe that school in my mind is to graduate, get that degree. You fulfilled your end of the bargain. If you feel like your playing days are better served going elsewhere after you finish that degree, Sean. I'm fully on board with them transferring and going and finding greener pastures in their mind. I don't have a problem with that at all. So I kind of like what you're saying. And I, I do not want to see the graduate transfer, goal, transfer rule go away. I'm with you in that regard. I'm just surprised to see a guy like Jim Harbaugh who's got this clout and this, um, this high status in college football being the first voice to really voice this opinion as well. So that's kind of surprising. If, if nothing else, with somebody like Harbaugh kind of opening up this can and coming out in favor of potential NCAA yeah. legislation, 
um, amending transfer rules. I think it opens up a dialogue in a lot of ways that maybe the NCAA now kind of has to take this a little bit seriously. And maybe they do go about and they tweak some things and they fix some things and and they come they they come about with a just a a cleaner transfer okay. policy than what they currently have. So all right, again, well, I I don't think it needs to be fixed that much, mm-hmm. but I do think that there are maybe some minor tweaks that you can adjust and play with and and. And it would help all parties involved. All right, awesome. Well, we'll get into this more later. We got to get to break. We're a little bit late here. We'll come back on the other side. My favorite segment on the show every week, Sean, is technical fouls. And that's what we're going to get to next. A reminder for you guys: our show is brought to you by Stockton Twelve Honda. Make sure to check them out at the Utah Auto Mall down there in Sandy. Great deals going on all the time. Title sponsor of the Saturday show, right here on the Zone Sports Network. The street with dirty shoes on your feet—that's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch alongside my good friend Sean Walker, Eric behind the glass as well. And this is Technical Fouls. Got a lot to cover here, uh, just people behaving badly. Sean, because you're our, you're our guest today, we're going to let you kick things off here in technical fouls. I, well, I just want to say shout-out to the introduction music for uh, pulling from the second-best Adam Sandler film of all time, it's a, it's uh, Eight Crazy Nights. It's a classic. Second only to Punch Drunk Love. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Of all of them, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, huh? Punch Drunk Love. Fantastic. Okay. Come on now. All right. I like it. So good. All so right. good. Highly underrated, too. Okay. Wait, am I allowed to say? I think that's rated R. Am I allowed to say that over yeah, terrestrial you're, you're, radio? You're okay. Okay. Just don't say certain words. That's all we ask. <laughs> that's, I haven't sworn yet. We're almost an hour into my uh, maiden voyage on the Saturday show. I have never yeah. had to use the dump button once, so please don't make me. Lie. You we'll might. Try, we'll try you might want to prepare it because I right. think I think you just uh, just barely jinxed that, Eric. Knock on wood. All right. Knock on that wood. All right, Sean, what you got for technical fouls here? All right, I got one. I got one. I I don't think you've heard of this guy yet. Okay. Um, Rowan Dennis. Nope. No? Nothing? Nothing? Nope. So Rowan Dennis is a professional cyclist. Uh, He's from Australia. Yeah, the only cyclist I know is a guy who was esteemed and then banned from the sport for several years. Yeah, we won't get into any Lance Armstrong news. All right. (laughs) Uh, But Rowan Dennis, he's from Australia. He's a pro cyclist. Okay. And... uh, he was supposed to take part in the 2019 Tour de France, which kicked off this week. It's been going for yeah, a week or so. Last yeah. week? Last week? Um, so last Thursday at the start of stage 10? 12. Okay. Start of stage 12. You can tell how prepared I am for this. Uh, so at the start of stage 12 last Thursday, uh, Dennis was nowhere to be found. Uh, to quote the AP story, he simply vanished. What? Just wasn't around. Didn't report to the Hold starting on, line. What? Wasn't around. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, naturally, that raised a lot of questions. Like, uh-huh. it, you know, did this guy get kidnapped? Like, he's in yeah, France, maybe? Is there a ransom? Like, you don't want to put out too many bad feelings into the universe, but okay. um, this is kind of scary. So, his team eventually locates him. They put out a message on social media um, saying that uh, he's okay that uh, he's fine. He eventually showed up again near the finish line, and, and everything's all right. Um, but then the team director goes to a post-stage press conference with you know, the, like, 13 um, professional cycling journalists that are out there. I'm sure it's more than that, but, okay. but I can't imagine that it's too much. Um, and naturally, people ask him about Dennis and this, this uh, disappointment, this vanishing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And he simply says... I just don't want to talk about it. Okay. So my man, Rowan Dennis, professional cyclist at the height of his sport, uh-huh. bailed on the Tour de France. Just folks. took off. Just took off. He's done. He's out. How? So my question to you, Jacob Hatch, is how much do you have to not like an event? How much do you have to not want to compete in something to just leave, to just get okay. up and walk away but from the height of your event? Stage 12. So he went through 11 previous Apparently. days of this race, which is the hardest yeah. stage race. It's, it's the gold standard when it comes to bicycle racing in the world. Yeah. 
You went through 11 days of it. Almost then, 100 miles up to this point. And then just decided, yeah, you know what? I'm out. Deuces. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can come up with anything that would make <laughs> me want to. Anyways, all right, wow. I, I think the only thing we can say to that is that's a technical foul. Yeah, that's a technical foul. All right, Eric, I'll let you go next. You said you had one. Yeah, I did. Why don't you go next? Okay, I will go with mine real quick here. Well, most people know that the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in football have been, let's say, down for a little while now. And, of course, their history in college football is not illustrious either, despite being one of the two original teams that founded the sport, which we're celebrating this coming season with the 150th anniversary. Birthplace of college football. Well, they have announced a new naming rights deal for their stadium. They did. And it's not ideal for the state of the program (laughs) currently. Well, Rutgers yesterday announced a multi-year partnership with... S-H-I International Corporation to be their new corporate sponsors. My question is, is how long until another letter is added onto the end of that at the stadium to complete the set, as they, if, if, as you will, when the record, Rutgers Golden, uh, Scarlet Knights are, let's say, 1-7 this season? How soon before that an additional letter is added to that on the stadium by a fan who is irate. I mean, according to Twitter, it's already happened. So, oh, okay, fair you know. enough. Well, yeah. So, also maybe according to Bruce Banner and the certain time travel theories. Also, one, spoiler one, alert: sorry. one in seven, I'd say week eight. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, <laughs> we'll see. I S H I International Corporation. I'm just really looking forward to Rutgers' budding forthcoming rivalry with the South Harmon Institute of Technology. Okay, there we go. All right, Eric, finish us off here. All right, I, I wanted to go last because it's a tad bit of a downer, but I'd okay. say uh, the NFL just okay. in general. They've had some kind of terrible stories this week. Yeah. Uh, they did not handle the Tyreek Hill situation well at all, I don't think. They were never forthcoming about it. They never made their findings on their investigation really open to the public they were pretty shut mouth about it and the same goes for the kansas city chiefs it yeah. to from the audio that came out i am i'm almost shocked he's still on an nfl roster but he is um and then richie incognito which just a wild story he mm-hmm. threatened to shoot up a funeral home yeah and uh, the Capitate the corpse of his dead father. So it has not been a good week for the NFL or their PR team. Yeah, the NFL is an interesting story. Period. Just because they they, they hammer certain guys. You're right. There, there are certain guys that do get the proverbial hammer, and there's other guys that seem to skate by on certain things. I will give them. I will give them one thing with the Hill thing. They did reserve right to go back and punish him again if they said that if more evidence comes out but I'm also with you that the phone calls that were released there's some there's some interesting things said there as well so it's an interesting look for the NFL no no doubt all right yeah I think I think they were pretty particular in the release saying that the case is closed for now for now but they do reserve the right to reopen. Yeah, we'll it, revisit so. if we need to. All right. Well, there you go. Technical fouls. We will take a time out here, come back on the other side, dive in to some other sports. 2.30, you'll hear from Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. You heard him earlier this morning. We'll get his thoughts on the completion of the third round of the Open Championship. Also, another local who is just a prodigy in the sport, winning a big-time title we need to talk about with Bob as well. So that's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show.